Yeah, good morning. This is Izzy Kempi for breakfast. I know Izzy, of course, he's over in France. I know Louis because, uh, you know, the... Uh, the Prince of Christchurch doesn't work uh, on Mondays, uh, and uh, but it is uh, it's me and Kempi, Ricardo and Kempi. Uh, Kempi, uh, you're not in the studio either, bro. I'm the I'm, I'm, I'm the only one at work at the moment, pretty much. <laughs> you are, mate. You're the you're the evergreen Ricardo Ball that always uh, gets the job done. And now you're dead right, mate. Is he? Um, he's up in the south of France doing some work with Bravo, so he'll be off for the next month. Um, and it's me and you, Ricardo, uh, wrapping out the Mondays. And what a Monday it is, mate. I don't know if you got to see the game last night, but uh, the Warriors pulled one from the ages, a game that they should never have won, being down 26 points uh, to 12 at half time, but coming out and absolutely running a clinic. And Sean Johnson, with 40, 30 seconds to go, it was actually, had a chance to win it, kicks it from 40 metres out, uh, five metres to the right-hand side of the post, and everyone in New Zealand has tried to jump back on the Warriors train, which is uh, four from five, and they're going real good. I have to put my hand up, Kimpy. have to put my hand up. I uh, was out doing family stuff yesterday, up at, visiting mum and dad up in Walkworth, and, that, and then got back home and thought, right, need to watch the Warriors. Put the Warriors on. My daughter was in my ear. Can we watch a movie? Can we watch a movie? Can we? I was like, nah, got to watch this, got to watch this for work. 20 nil. I was like, what movie do you want to watch? <laughs> and that, and that's, what, that's what I ducked out, bro. Yeah, look, I, and I think a lot of people may have ducked out too. They had a couple of chances in that uh, late in the second half to go 30 points ahead. Mm. Uh, Jesse Ramiam held one ball up. He should have passed it to Katoi, who was in untouched, and then right on full time, they put a little kick through, and he's picked it up and pulled down a metre. And I think that desperation from the Warriors was really... Uh, telling come the later part of the game because one thing that got the Cronulla Sharks and that was the Warriors fitness they done a job on the middle they struggled in the first half uh, the change of the bench from Cronulla when they came on didn't uh, keep the momentum going when they lost Rudolph when they lost uh, Hamlin Uwale and of course uh, uh, Furnikin who went, he ended up going off uh, with a Sinbin for dropping on the back of I think it was uh, Adam Fen- oh, it was Jazz Tavaga's legs it really was a costly mistake uh, for the Cronulla Sharks. It didn't look like they were going to lose that game in the first half, but it's been the tale of the of the Warriors this year, Ricardo. You know, like they've 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 dug in and they've held in um, for eighty minutes of the game, which has always been a bit of an issue. And they got the job done. And doesn't Sean Johnson look good? Seriously, but- he's put on a couple of he's put on a couple of passes. He's kicked that winning goal. It was always going to be a Nico Hines Sean Johnson job, and Sean got the chocolates. What chance? If he keeps up this sort of form, Sean Johnson, do you think that the Warriors offer him an extension? Well, you'd you'd have to say that uh, depending on whether or not Sean wants to run around in this competition, I haven't a you know you're getting to that stage of the competition uh, five you know, into your fifth round, you know, a couple of couple of weeks from now, and you'll really get a a good look at what's happening. You know, the last couple of weeks, the Dolphins have have fallen off the. Um, the rails, you've got, you know, teams still struggling down the bottom like Parramatta and the Cowboys. These teams that continue to win are starting to define their season. And in a couple of weeks' time, you'll uh, you'll make your mind up on, on what you think the eight will be. And I think at the moment, when you're looking at Brisbane and the Warriors sitting first and second, well, you've got to pay the compliment to both sides because they do look like genuine threats to the competition this year. Um, but, you know... The question about do they offer Sean Johnson another contract? Well, he's he's 
in the top two premier halfbacks in the competition currently. He's, his form has been spot on for five weeks. Uh, you know, it's a long competition, so you don't get too excited too early because you've still got to, to go through, you know, big periods of football for, for the rest of the year. But, you know, Ricardo, you never say never when a player's playing like that. You know what I mean? Um, and if the Warriors, one of the, one of the positions are really hard to, to lock in is a marquee halfback. You know, if you think Volk, Volkman's probably going to take that um, title off Johnson next year, well, I don't think that kid's ready just yet. So maybe they they think about whether or not Johnson plays further part in 2024. But at the moment, the focus is 2023. And, mm. and Andrew Webster's keeping their feet on the ground. That was a fantastic win last night. And along with Sammy Hewitt, we're calling on SENZ. Uh, Sammy had a little bit of a cold, mate, but you couldn't tell he was so excited after that one. <laughs> I bet, mate, I bet. It was interesting because I, I uh, heard Blake Ashford was on uh, the run home on Friday. And uh, he was asked about why do you think Sean Johnson is uh, playing so well. And he said, well, you know, I remember my last season when I decided it was my last season. He said, I was just happy to play every week. Because, you know, and he goes, so there was a there was that you could see the end coming and you were just enjoying it and it was kind of back to that love of why you started playing the game. And so the pressure was off because you knew what was ha- coming up uh, and you just went out and enjoyed yourself. And he reckons that might be part of what's happening with SJ. Yeah, and it's and it's a really good analogy too, you know, like when the when the I guess the acid's off and you know that you're just going out there and enjoy um football, it sort of kicks in that I I you know, I can't talk of it myself because I never retired on the back of playing football because uh, I was coaching at the same time, but I know a lot of players that knew that at the end of the year when their when their season is over that they're hanging up the boots and they're moving on to to other pastures in their life. And, you know, that might be a really good analogy from Blake saying that Sean's actually enjoying himself, you know. Like, if you looked at the, the comments he made post-game, which were was, which was spot on, uh, just the way he's carrying himself around, he's really, really happy with his form at the moment. You know, there's there's no reason why he doesn't decide to go out on his own terms. And I think I think when a, with a player of that calibre, when, you, when you're a player of that calibre, it's really important to go out for the right reasons and, uh, you know, not drag yourself through, I guess, a memory that people are always going to have and that form's really poor. You know, if he retired last year, people will remember, will remember Sean for all the wrong reasons. Mm. You know, this is the type of form that you really want to consider. Is it worthwhile going around again? I don't want to be talking about retirement yet because there's still a long way of the season to go. But, you know, raising the question, um, the ball's right back in Sean's court. You know, and I was one of those people that called him out last year, maybe looking at retiring. Um, you know, his form was down. The, the the club's form was down. They were struggling on the on the road with COVID. But like the breakers, you know, and this is the this is the difference. And I think one of the the biggest points that we can make is the resilience that they built through COVID on the road. The breakers showed us what they could do. Well, the Warriors are emulating it, and to go over there and win that game, it's the third, the only the third time. Um, in their history that they've got four from five. 2003, 2018 being the last two times, Ricardo. Um, now, both those years, they, they went on and, and done some good things, you know. So you don't take the stats too lightly. I think getting that win at the Shire is one of the hardest places to win a football. We saw that in the first half of football. Uh, but, you know, they stepped up and they've done what Andrew Webster's drilled into them is just hung in the game and in the end, 
it was a it was a boxing match where they were knocked down three or four times and got up off the canvas and have delivered a blow to knock Cronulla out. So people people that are looking at the six week eight week window are now starting to go. Actually, this is starting to look real. Well, particularly so, when you look at what they've got next, right? I mean, got got the Knights this week, uh, and I know that you know the Knights are, have started to turn. They've actually looked better without Kalen Ponga. They got that draw uh, with with Manly uh, last weekend. They beat who did they beat last weekend? Was it the Titans they beat last weekend? Um, so they won't be pushovers. But you would expect on former Warriors to win that. Yeah, look, they've they've got a they've got a really hard team, um, a hard draw. The Warriors, you know, they. They've done real well to get through these first five games with four wins. You know, with the Knights away next week, they're going okay with a, with a couple of wins under their belt. And then, of course, they go up to the Cowboys who are struggling. You know, so top four side last year, can't get a win. They get beaten in Golden Point last night by the Bulldogs. And then they start coming up the, against the two teams that are really going to be fighting it out, I think, for them in the eight, which is the Roosters, the Panthers, and then back to the Bulldogs, which was a real battle um, just last week. So... It's they've got a pretty hard draw. I'm, I'm trying to make the point here, home and away. What's really good of, of, about this Warriors team this year is that the win away is really important. You know, build a fortress at home. We, me and Izzy talked about it last week. If you can build a fortress at home and win those games at home, then when you get these ones like that against Cronulla away, then you're a serious threat. You know, so I, look, I, I don't really. I was starting to think about it last night. I don't think Brisbane's scared of anyone. I think Penrith are beatable. I think Sydney City are getting better. But the Warriors, I think everyone's starting to look over their shoulder and going, hang on. Like, we were expecting the wheels to fall off, and they're just not. And I've got to put that down to Andrew Webster's preparation in the offseason. They ran over the top of Cronulla in the end. I was saying to Sammy last night in the, in the commentary, they're the fitter team. They're coming home. They just got to hang in there. An error's going to an error's going to happen. They just got to you know get to the end of their sets of six. The rain's coming down, and an error will happen. And what happened? They got the penalty. They got the sin bin. Sean kicks it to win it. Even though um, Nico Hines stepped up and had a chance to draw it, the Warriors they finished better in that last twenty minutes. The look on Nico Hines' face when he missed the penalty and he realised they'd lost that game was priceless. Um, a couple of texts come through on the Temper Bedpost text machine, double eight, double three. Morena, lads, up the Warriors. Best game I've seen by the Warriors in so long. Kempi, where do you see Luke Metcalf coming back and will he ride the pine? Well, look, I think Luke Metcalf is a is a great little acquisition and, and another good player to come back in the side. He looked real good in the off-season. Um, and I think that's another reason why Sean's form is at the top of his game because he knows that Luke Metcalf will come back in and he'll slot into that half um, position with Tamari Martin if he need, if needs be. And, and that's another part of this Warriors side that uh, Andrew Webster has built, is that he's built it around players knowing that they have to be in form Otherwise, he'll make the change. You know, like with Volkman, a coach would be thinking during the week, well, am I going to put Ronald Volkman in the side? Okay, he struggled in the first half. They go down that right side, get a couple of easy tries, two, three tries down that right side. It looks like the wheels have fallen off the decision with Volkman is a poor one. You know, and, and later on in the game, which is what I thought should have happened earlier, he put Dylan Walker into that 5-8 position. He ended up the game there and closed it out. But it just goes to show you that Andrew Webster isn't afraid to put people in positions if need be. And Volkman's decision yesterday showed you that. So the same thing will happen with players coming back. The best part about that, Ricardo, there was no Toru Harris, there was no Mitch Barnett, there was mm. no Tamari Martin. 
You know what I mean? So you're looking at effort. You're looking at consistency of effort over the 80 minutes and, and that belief. Well, I think out of, out of everything last night, the biggest thing they got out of it was effort and belief. You know, if we put the effort in, we'll hang in the games. Man, let's start believing that we are a team that's hard to beat. And once you start getting that stuff and blokes start smiling, look out. It's dangerous. Another another text uh, coming through here from Sam saying, I don't know if this is Sam Hewitt or another Sam, but uh, Kempe, forget about retirement. When do we start talking about the Dally M? Unreal for SJ. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if it's Sam, but there's 400 Sams at SENZ, so it could be anyone. could be anyone. Uh well, I think he's right up there in the mix. I think if you look at the clutch plays that he's he's put on over the first five weeks, he's right there. It's a little bit early to be calling um, for Dally M, but I think he's in the mix. And if he can continue this form throughout the year, I won't be surprised. Not at all. Um, Lammy's just come through with awesome to be a Warriors fan. Chris is asking, how long have we got Webster for? Please don't do a Cleary. Well, it's, you know, I don't, look... Well, things are going well, as you as you know, Ricardo. Uh, contracts will be signed, extensions will be be signed, and I think one of the most important parts, you know, we said a couple of weeks ago, it felt a little bit like two thousand and one when another redhead walked into the club and changed things, which was which was Daniel Anderson, and I think with um, with with Webster here, he's brought along a, a, an attitude, a culture, a rebuild on a side that had been struggling for. For, for many years um, that everyone's starting to enjoy. So I can guarantee you that the CEO, the owner, are looking at Andrew Webster and thinking, how do we build a team around him to make sure this guy's happy and he's going to stay here? Because it's not whether or not they sign him, it's whether or not another club's looking in going, well, how do we get him? So, you know, it's all about, you know, moving your, moving your pieces into the right part of the chessboard uh, that game will be played out, but he looks like he's happy here, Web- Webby. If you looked in the into the coach's box last night, especially when they drew um, within two points of the Cronulla Sharks, he's jumping around. He's real excited. So, yeah, I, look, I don't know what he's signed for. We'll have a chat chat to him eventually about that. But at the moment, he w- he wouldn't even talk. He wouldn't even entertain that conversation because all he wants to do is show up and and play good week in week out. Yeah, indeed. All right, let's have a look what's coming up on the show. Um, we're going to take your calls uh, shortly uh, on the Kennard's Higher phone line 0800 150 811 because we do have a don't wait question of the day which is coming uh, at you hard and fast shortly. We're going to have a love racing update. Uh, after 7 o'clock, Harry Benjamin is going to join us to talk F1, the big race in Melbourne yesterday. Boy. More, more red flags in an election campaign uh, yesterday in Melbourne. So we'll, we'll talk to him about that. Uh, we've got a, an off-the-back fence from Kempe as well. We're going to talk uh, rugby league. We'll take your calls more. Kempe and I will get into some of the other teams, some of the other games around as well. Uh, Carmo, uh, Ian Jones is going to join us to talk Super Rugby after 8 o'clock as well and the hairy jav Grant Elliott is going to join us uh, before 9 o'clock to talk cricket as well, so plenty coming your way on Izzy and Kempe for breakfast, but uh, Kempe, here it is, you can't wait question of the day, with Izzy and Beave off to France got us thinking, when have you had to carry a workmate because he's off on the donut? 
Well, we know when you have, mate. It's now. <laughs> oh, that's a great... <laughs> the boys have come up with a doozy this morning. The can't wait question of the day. When is... <laughs> well, with Izzy and Beef off to France, it got us thinking, when have you had to carry a work, mate, because he's on the donut. Text, text us, temper bed post, text machine, double eight, double three. You're dead right, but uh, uh, Ricardo, <laughs> right now, mate, with shoulders like these, I could probably fit Beef on too. <laughs> We did it. We'd have a text through to to drive uh, when we're doing Beaver's Best on Friday. You know, we always you know look to put four bets together for Beaver's Best. And uh, Brett, I think it was from Huntley, he came and he says, "I've got a I've got an anchor for you, um, Izzy, to get uh, you and Beaver." Uh, yeah, easy to get you and Beaver in trouble. Uh, paying two dollars, I reckon it's uh, that's easy money that one. So we might have to anchor that. So um, yeah, keep your texts coming through double eight double three, or you can call us the Ken Tire phone line oh eight hundred one five zero eight eleven. When have you had to carry a workmate because he's off on the donut like Izzy and Beaver? Give us a call, or maybe you want to talk your wires as well. Double eight double three, the temper bedpost text machine. Get into it. You're listening to Ricardo and Kempi for breakfast, thanks to Chemist Warehouse, the real house of fragrance. It's 25 here on Izzy and Kempi for breakfast. Ricardo, in uh, call anytime on the Kenard's Hire phone line, 0800 150 is hiring big. Visit kenardshire.co.nz. 0800-150-811. You want to talk Warriors. You want to talk our can't-wait question of the day with Izzy and Beave off to France. Who have you had to carry well, when have you had to carry a workmate because he's off on the donut? Let us know uh, that one, or you can text us on our Temper Bedpost text machine. Temper and Bedpost range of mattresses and adjustable bases adapt to the exact shape of your body, so you can put your head and feet up in comfort. And plenty of texts coming through, Kempi. All about the wars, not so much about people on the donut, but uh, Tim said such a great win. Uh, our draw is tough, but we have a buy in week twelve. Uh, that timing could be uh, could work perfectly. Yeah, look, and that's one of the, the I guess, the um, the disappointments Cronulla will have to put through because they got to buy next week and they were hoping for that four-point turnaround and staying within the four. But the competition is so close at the moment. You've got uh, only four points separating the first 15 teams. Uh, and, and that's just the way that the competition's running at the moment, Ricardo. You don't know who's going to win. Each team shows up and... You look at Newcastle and Manly the other night, the local derby, you know what I mean? I expected Manly to put 30 on them. They they just could not get away from Newcastle. Newcastle put it, put them to the sword and they play out their first draw. I think the first draw, oh, for, for years, which has played out through um, extra time. So it's a bit like that at the moment. I'd hate to be a tipster and uh, expecting to, to get some, some runs on the board with your tips week in, week out, but... You know, that's why the competition is so good to watch at the moment. You know, I've got another texter here, um, and this really sums it up, coming in from, uh, who is this here? Moreno team, what an awesome game from the Warriors last night. First time for many years I've stuck in and watched the full 80, believing the boys could still come through with the win. Johnson was on point all game. Great watch up the Warriors. That's from an unknown texter. And that's, that's what I mean. You know, people aren't walking away. The competition is so good that they're just watching it for the full 80 minutes, knowing that, you know, last night, mate, they pop, it was it was like they could possibly get back. Well, they look like they're going to get back. Oh, my God, no, they, they look like they're going to win. I can't believe it, they've won. You know, it was that feeling. And when you get that feeling watching a football game, you're going to turn the TV on all the time and watch it. Yeah, and it shouldn't really be a surprise because we talked about this, I think, uh, last week as well. Well, not you and I, Kimby, but I remember talking about it, uh, you know, when we went and played the Cowboys 
and we were 8-0 down, um, and things didn't look good, right? You know, a few calls went against us. It looked like it was going to be one of those. The bounce of the ball was going to go against us. Referee calls were going to go against us. Often in the past, you know, at 8-0, 20 minutes gone, heads go, and that's all she wrote from the Warriors. We've had seen that in the past. Didn't see it against the Cowboys. Boy, turn that up to a, to 11 this week, going 20 nil down inside 20 minutes. I mean, that's when that's when I tapped out, mate, thinking, oh, you know. Cause <laughs> what's I mean, what's I, a movie? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I mean, I'd seen the Sharks, you know, put the, the Dragons to the sword the week before. So I kind of went, oh, I kind of think I know what's coming here, uh, and got out. But no, they fought back, man, and, and all power to them. They were sort of, uh, yeah, some, so much for me keeping the faith, Kempi. Luckily, you did it for me. Yeah, look, and I think the the... Oh, what if you're going to analyse their first five weeks? Imagine if they get the start right. Because they haven't got a start right yet. And they've gone out and given teams a start and have to f- have had to fight their way back. That's the scary part of the side. And Andrew Webster will be talking a lot about that this week. It's the, it's the worst start they've had in five weeks. But they dug in and they got back. You know, you'll, you'll hear all of the... The, the big words, you know, resilience and, and belief and all that sort of stuff, what we need to do is sort our start out. If we can come out and start like we did in the second half with 12 men and get back into the game um, from the get-go, then this Warriors team will definitely be one to be reckoned with. Yeah, another stat actually that I saw on Friday was that Dale Finucane had played the Warriors 11 times in his career and never lost. You know, yeah. obviously he had all that time with the storm, and I was like, "Oh, there's that's a that's a that's a stat you don't want to hear if you're a Warriors fan." But um, uh, it was it didn't happen to be. Uh, so impressed with our grit, we never gave up even after that start. I was waiting for us to drop off or Cronulla to score a winner, but it never happened. That one from Ken, and finally Kempi, uh, this one uh, from Josh. Hey, Dallin is supposed to be back this week. Does Cossie get dropped? I think we keep him, and he's going to be a star, even though there were a couple of drop balls yesterday. Well, Ed Cossey has been outstanding over the last fortnight. Whether or not uh, they make that shift and put uh, Dallin uh, back in there, look, he can play centre as well. So I, I thought uh, Valia, he struggled last night, especially defensively. You know, I just think Andrew Webster, he won't drop players that are in form. He'll find pl- pos- uh, positions for players that need to be replaced. And again, like we haven't even mentioned Dallin, there you go, you've got another player coming back. There's four quality players to come back in the side. Yeah, that's a lot of depth, and uh, it feels a lot like this. there are a lot more options for Andrew Webster than maybe uh, fans thought coming into the season. It is 6.30 here on Izzy and Kempe for breakfast, thanks to Chemist Warehouse, the real house of fragrance. Here's Araha for you now. With the news for Kubota, together we are shaping and building New Zealand. Hello, hello, morning, morning. It's uh, the kitchen's on fire, but my mic's still working. How good, boys? It's time for your <laughs> sorts update. Power your business with Bunnings Trade Power Pass. Well, the ANZ Premiership once again delivered yesterday as the Magic won by one point against the Pulse. It's the reigning champs' third consecutive loss on the bounce. They'll look to turn around tonight when they face the Mystics at home. Uh, Newcastle beat Manchester United this morning 2-0 to jump above them on the Premier League table into third. Especially IndyCar action on this morning, but 
Um, seems to be a major delay. I don't know what's going on there. I'll keep you up to date throughout the morning. And yesterday, while the league was on, I was actually watching the Formula One. Sorry to say, boys. One of us had to. And Verstappen <laughs> won a very a controversial style. A red flag with four laps to go. We'll have Harry Benjamin coming on later on in the morning to talk about that one. Those are your sports, up, uh, your sports updates. Thanks to Bunnings Trade. Trades and Builders, power your business with Bunnings Trade Power Pass. There you go, Ricardo. Nice work, nice work, Joey. Uh, yeah, I just I did see uh, something flash up about because it's IndyCar Texas, isn't it? I think uh, Joseph Newgarden has uh, taken that out. He's uh, he. He's oh, it's already got- run. What's that? Sorry, oh, I was already run. Have I missed it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's already run. So you got to took it <laughs> out from watching the F one. Yeah, from <laughs> from Pat O'Ward um, uh, came in second. I think I haven't. Uh, it's only just finished though, Joe. I just saw it finish up on the screen here. So I'm not sure where the Kiwis finished, but I'll I'll keep an eye out for that one. I'll keep an eye out. We've got more texts coming through. On the temper bedpost text machine double eight double three regarding uh, the Warriors uh, to only take the lead with thirty seconds to go, but you felt they were coming for it. I heard you guys talking about the yellow card prior to halftime. Justice was done from Tim. It's interesting, uh, Kempi. Do you think the uh, referees have changed their interpretation of what a hip drop is? Because Fanukin, to be fair to them, they gave they made the same call on Fanukin, so they were consistent. I didn't think either of them were a hip drop, to be honest, but. Yeah, I, I agree. I don't, I don't think either of them were hip drop. When you've got players, you know, the barrelly type of blokes that run through um, players with with ease, you've got, you're going to fall down and tackle them from behind. And, you know, that's just the way, way to momentum. The other part of it, too, is intent. There is no intent to drop down on the back of people's legs. You know, if someone did do that, you would actually see it as clear as day. But there has been a directive that's come out from the NRL, and that directive is to, to penalise anything that looks like a hip drop because they did it not only last night in that game, but they were doing it all weekend. Yeah, I mean, doing it from behind, I don't think is as dangerous as doing it from the side. I get doing it from the side is dangerous because that's when you put knees and ankles at risk, but doing it from behind, it just feels like what you'd naturally do to pull somebody down in a tackle. But um, we'll, we'll no doubt we'll hear more about that because uh, Marata Niakore is going to have to face a judiciary, and so will Dale Finucane this week, who are both called in that game. Uh, listen to your call on the Waz last night on my way back from Palmy after taking the kids to watch the game. Uh, talk about carrying blokes. SJ's boot in that second half was outstanding from Chris. Yeah, it was, and it did keep them in the game as well. You know, like he had to boot the uh, bejesus out of it, you know, every time he got the ball because they were struggling to come out of their half, and SJ's was, was getting at least 50, 60 metres on his downtowns um, quite regularly. I thought one of the biggest parts of the game was his game management. I thought he just didn't he didn't panic. He continued to go to what he knew he had to do. He found the edge runners, like when he uh, found Curran to go over in that second half, when he found Noor Kori to go over, um, just with short passes. And then you know his kicking game on the back of it just sort of kept chipping away at Cronulla. And the errors on the back of some of those bombs from Mulatalo and, of course, Katoa out there on the wings, um, you've got to take those. The, the weather played into it. His kicking game played into it. He just stuck there for 80 minutes. You know, he could have easily, and you would have thought after the couple of years that he's had, go away from the script. But again, you take your hat off to both him and Webster for for putting that script together and him sticking to it and delivering it to for the Warriors. So I know a lot of people were listening to the call from uh, SENZ last night. We were getting a lot of texts at the same time. And everyone was saying um, then they, they are looking the better coming home. 
and that really played out. That's how uh, and why you do such work in the off-season is that when you're in games like that, you feel great coming into the back end of it and they did the job and got the two points at Cronulla, which no one saw coming. Yeah, uh, no no one saw coming. No one, I don't think, as particularly after the way that Cronulla had put the, sh- uh, the Dragons away the week before. You always thought it was going to be a really tough uh, tough ass to go there and get the win. Uh, just before we uh, take a break, Kempi, and get to, to Quizzy Kempi, um, I do have a take on where everybody finished in uh, Texas, the 375 IndyCar Series. So New Garden wins, Pat Ward second, Alex Palau in third. Uh, the first of the Kiwis, Scotty Dixon in fifth, Scotty McLaughlin in sixth. So uh, two Kiwis there in the top six and uh, going going pretty well. We'll uh, get some more news for you on that as it comes through. It is uh, 22 away from seven here on Izzy and Kempe for breakfast. And if you want to take on Kempe the Quizmaster, give us a call now, 0800 150 811. 0800 150 811. Call now, your chance to win a $50 TAB bonus bet. This is how you do it. Quizzy, they come play it. This is how we do it. Quizzy that can play it. Quizzes on the line. Just one at a time. Don't Google a lie. Phone a friend, you'll be fine. Just listen for the signs. TAB with the prize. 50 bucks if you wise. If you're wrong and then we'll say goodbye. This is how we do it. This is how we do it. Quizzy, they come play it. Quizzy, they come play it. 0800 150 811. Now give us a call. Yes, that's right. You got Kempi quiz today. And uh, of course, the man with the clues, Ricardo, can help you out if you need that help at all, because it's looking pretty easy for me today, and we're going to jump in straight away with Lammy from P Naughty. Morning, Lammy. Cool. Oh, morning, Kempi. How are you, bro? Awesome call last night from you and Timmy. Love oh, it. Oh, yeah. Thanks a lot, Lammy. No, it was a good call. Great game by the Warriors. Everyone's got a smile on their face today, Lammy. So let's see if we can put one on your face with a $50 bonus bet from the TAB. First question, which Super Rugby had the biggest winning margin on the weekend? Oh, jeez. Um... Which oh. Super Rugby team? Team of Fiji. Thank you. Sorry, Lammy. We're going to go to Brenton. Brenton. Which Super Rugby team hey, had brother. the biggest winning margin on the weekend? Hey, brother. The, the biggest margin meaning the most um, points scored or the most in between the two games? Like The second one. I think it's the uh, Highlanders, I think, anyway. Good man. There you go. There you go. Here we go. Question number two. Wade Egan has scored tries in his last four appearance. Who was the last Warriors forward to do the same? Uh, uh, former captain. Good clue. Oh, he's still playing. It didn't say I said oh. former captain. Four, yeah, I'm just wondering if he's still playing now. Three. Um, I'm going to go. Two. Oh, I don't know. One. Simon Mannering. 
<laughs> Good fingers. <Hey. laughs> Good fingers, Brendan. Here we go. Yes. I would have a clue how to even Google oh, that. All right, you're not getting any more clues. We're going to do this oh. one quickly. How many times have the New Zealand men's sevens team won the Hong Kong seven? Uh, Unlucky, mate. Talk to you again tomorrow, Brenton. We're going to go to Tim in Christchurch. Tim, good morning, mate. How many times have the New Zealand men's sevens team won the Hong Kong sevens? Uh, Do you got a clue? Do we do two clues in one go? Yeah, you do one clue for one guy. That's fine. Okay, all right. um, It's it's more than six. The last guy said. Yes. No. <laughs> Close. Okay. Anyway, your clue, Leroy, it's more than seven. <laughs> <laughs> here we go. Who we got up here, Neeps? Okay, Leroy's. Hey, mate, how you going? Good thing, 12. There you go. That's question number three. Well done. 12 times they've won the Hong Kong Sevens. Which F1 team has won the most Australian Grand Prix? You'd love one of these. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't have a clue. Got a clue there, Ricardo? Ponies. Who? Ponies. Ponies. Yeah, I think nah, that's I'm a gone. great clue. I wouldn't <laughs> have a clue. See <laughs> <Yeah, later. laughs> you Unlucky, Leroy. We're going to go to Kerry. Morning, Kerry. Morning, boys. Which F1 team has won the most Australian Grand Prix? I'll go Ferrari. Nice, nice clue, Rick. Nice clue. Last one to get you paid. Where do the Warriors currently sit on the NRL ladder? Uh, second. There you go. Right on, Kerry, you pick up a $50 TAB bonus bet. And, uh, mate, if you want to put it on the Warriors, it looks like they can't lose. That was uh, Quizzy Dag with me and Ricardo putting that out there today. Hey, where'd you get that pony? Just want to explain that pony um, clue there, Ricardo? Well, the, the badge, the Ferrari badge, is a horse, right, rearing on its hind legs. And one of the nicknames of the, of the Ferrari F1 team is the Prancing Ponies. So there you go. That's where, that's where that came from, mate. That's where that, I'm just glad Kerry didn't need a clue because I didn't know how I was going to give a clue for second. <laughs> it was going to be it was going to be one of those rubbish clues like not third. Um, I wasn't sure where I was going to go there, but uh, luckily you didn't need one. <laughs> not first, not first, <laughs> or not third. Yeah. That's the easy one to give. Hey, Ricardo, thanks a lot for that. Thanks everyone for phoning in. We'll have Quizzy Dag again tomorrow, where we can give you another fifty dollar. Uh, bonus bet, so have a listen up. Up next, we're going to be talking love racing with Kempe. It was a big weekend of racing, and we'll be back straight after this. Yes, well, we're five minutes away from seven o'clock, and it's time for your love racing update. And it was Lisa Ladder who had a hell of a season securing her third race, her big race, when her horse Pignan produced another upset win to win the Manawa two size produced stakes at Awapuni. Another one for the CDs. Um, trainers and of course it's her third big one this year so let's take a look back on those three wins and first up it's Platinum Invader in the Auckland Cup Platinum Invaders running on further back ladies man still warming up at the 200 it's Nerve not Verve the leader Platinum Invaders coming after strongly further back Equicate and ladies man Nerve not Verve just in front Platinum Invaders coming after it strongly Nerve not Verve Platinum Invader got up 
Platinum Invader has won the Barfoot and Thompson Auckland Cup from Nerve, not Verve. Yeah, and how good was that? Lisa Ladder getting the job done, taking out Nerve, not Verve, the Australian that was brought over here, and of course, Alan's ladies' man. And then she went on to win the Thorndon Mile over 1600 metres with He's a Doozy. Have a listen to this. He's a doozy. Sharpens Smart's raising another effort now. Coventina Bay starting to get through. And then we've got wide out Clever Rudds. Here he's a doozy. He's the leader. Sharpens Smart. Look at Lightning Jack trying to push through the southerner. He's a doozy's in front. On the inside, Sharpens Smart is lifting. But it's he's a doozy. He's a doozy's got the Thornton. And who would have picked that up against Sharp and Smart getting the job done at Big Ogs? But it was this weekend in the two size produced stakes at Awapuni where she's gone and done it again at 21 bucks with Pignan. Have a listen to this. Over on the inside, Pignon starting to finish off well. Further away, Tulsi here. Aprilia, Trobriand is pretty tough. Pignon over on the inside into Catch a Thief is running on really well. Aprilia out wide. Pignon in the middle is really putting in with a big burst. Pignon for the Irishman, Joe Doyle. And Pignon will upset them. Well, there you go. Three winners taken out. If you had to listen to that, Traboyan, which was short favourite to win that with OP on the back. And just a big shout-out to Lisa Ladder. Well done, Lisa. Well done to your team. A very, very good year you've had. And uh, for me, though, and one bloke who will also be over the moon with that uh, win would be Christian Cullen, who alongside owns uh, Pignon with former All-White and uh, Andy Rene. Well done, boys. You got the job done. Another person who would be over the moon, though, is Mark Chittick with his four-year-old I Wish I Win, which produced this. Giga kick five lengths away. Nature Strip, the world champion sprinter, trying to fend them off. Marzu's the first to challenge. Nature Strip, Marzu. Giga kick lengthening. And I wish I win down the outside. I wish I win. Went past Giga kick, Marzu. I wish I win from last. A spectacular TJ win. I wish I win. Knocked off Giga kick and Marzu. Yeah, how good was that? From last to back in the green and white of Mark Chittick at Waikato, uh, Waikato Stud. Big shout out to him and his team. And a special mention to Paulie Mwanka, who texted me on Saturday declaring he had pockets full after that one. That was your love racing catch up. Eat, drink and get racy. Round up your crew. And now book at thegrandtour.co.nz. Ricardo. Yeah, Kenby, I think the question that everybody has now after you've played us out all these clips of all these great wins is how are your pockets looking after the weekend? Mate, I was actually I was actually working uh, all weekend. I never had a chance to, to um, really knuckle down with a form, but what put me off was the rain in Sydney. And the only horse I had a, a little... Um, a little bit of a dabble on was my favourite horse um, that ran and got the job done, Mr Brightside, which I text through to the sales team. The boys said, get on that. I think it wins at fives, fives and twos. Um, I did send out a little multi, just but the rain rain got to us. Um, but Paulie Moanka, I just thought uh, we'd have a talk, chat to him. And he's, uh, I know he loves I Wish I Win. He's happy as he loves his new name. Uh, but I must shout out too, which I forgot to, Al Sharrick and of course Stephen Marsh that joined us last week. Al got a couple of really nice wins with Sumi. And of course Tav Attack at good odds. Um, and of course Stephen Marsh, how good was he? Took out the trifecta in the first race at Avondale. Um, so both boys are flying here in New Zealand. But a big week of racing. 
uh, this weekend. I'm sure plenty of people got paid. Um, I don't know about Izzy because he was 45,000 feet up in the air across Greenland at that stage, I think. Mate, he's getting paid. You know he's getting paid. He's, <laughs> he's, he's, he's getting paid by, by Bravo, and he's probably sitting there with a Beaujolais in hand and a baguette in the other right, right now as we speak with, uh, with, with Beef. Uh, on the donut over in France. Coming your way in the next hour, we're going to talk Formula One with Harry Benjamin. We'll also catch up with Carmo. Ian Jones uh, before the show is out to talk Super Rugby. And the Harry Jab's going to be with us at some point too. Right now, though, here's Aroha with news for Kubota. Together we are shaping and building New Zealand. It's four past seven. Good morning. This is SENZ. It is Kempi and Izzy for breakfast without the man on the donut. And uh, I don't know, do they call them donuts in France? I don't know. Uh, maybe baguette, croissant. something like that. Croissant. 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 <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, Izzy and Beaver, of course, up in France on the donut at the moment. So, Ricardo, in this morning uh, with Kempi coming up, we're going to be talking F1 with Harry Benjamin shortly. We're also going to have an off the back fence from Kempe as well. We'll catch up with some headlines uh, from uh, Joey in the kitchen as well, and uh, we'll hear some uh, choices flooring poll action too. Uh, after eight o'clock, Carmo. Ian Jones is going to join us. We're going to talk Super Rugby, a big weekend at Super Rugby, of course, uh, and particularly that game in Hamilton. His Chiefs taking on the Blues, and boy, uh, I don't know if you saw it, Kimpy. Do you see uh, the Bowden Barrett? He Bowden Barrett hasn't had a great season. The Bowden Barrett, that's just about unforgivable from a senior All Black, isn't it? It is, and it's uh, it's up up again at seven twenty three. I'm off the back fence, so mm, all right, um, mate. It's uh, I, I guess uh, one one person is going to be real happy is Uncle Brett from Huntley. He's uh, he's mama hard, and when they got the job done against the Blues, I'm pretty sure uh, if he had my number, he would have sent me a text. But well done. To the mana, the Chiefs getting up over the Blues on the weekend. Yeah, indeed. Uh, we're also going to talk cricket as well because uh, the Black Caps were in action yesterday against Sri Lanka in the first of the T20s. The Harry Jav himself is uh, going to join us. Grant Elliott, that before nine o'clock. And uh, uh, Kempe, race of the weekend. Uh, this is according to Paul from Ululand. Had to be the Marty Cup final, uh, the, the rowing. Uh, apparently Watto was calling it and he couldn't call who had won it. The, the, the race was so tight, mate. But uh, yeah, lots of racing action on this weekend, Kempe. Yeah, that's right, and not just down at the Marty Cup, but uh, well, well, many Kiwis had their eyes fixated on the leg in Sydney as well last night. A drama-filled Australian Grand Prix was going on in Melbourne. Max Verstappen grabbed top spot once again, while Fernando Alonso got a podium finish for the third consecutive time. Hamilton rounded out the top three, all of whom were a little peeved to see, to say at least around a late red flag that almost cost them all points. To recap an entertaining weekend in Melbourne is Harry Benjamin, who commentated the F3 action for Sky Sports up there in the UK. Harry's on the line with us now, and he joins us. Good morning, Harry. How are you this morning? I'm very well. Thank you so much for having me. No, thank you. thanks a lot for joining us this morning, myself and Ricardo. Mate, can you explain to us just what went on in those final few laps after Magnussen crashed out and all hell broke loose? Well, uh, Magnuson, yes, yeah, you uh, correctly said, crashed out. That brought out a, uh, a third red flag. Uh, so three red flags in one race, uh, which hasn't happened in a very long time in Formula One. Uh, and so everything stops. And um, and that's really when all hell broke loose. Uh, and the order changed up with only just a couple of laps remaining of the race. Uh, 
since Abu Dhabi 2021, since Baku as well, where Sergio Perez took the win and in the dying stage of the race, the FIA and Formula 1 are really keen to have races finish as races. They don't want safety car finishes. They don't want it just to stop if there's an incident where they can help it. It's perhaps a bit of the Netflix effect, you know, things like this. They want it to be entertaining to the very end. So we got a restart, a standing start restart, and then they all decided to crash into each other. Uh, Carlos Sainz went into the back of Fernando Alonso. That biffed Fernando Alonso into the wall and out of the podium positions. Meanwhile, further back, you had uh, uh, the two Alpines taking each other out after running in. The, uh, well, Gasly was in the top five, having his best run in that Alpine since he joined the team this year. Further back, you had the, the Williams and an Alpha Tauri take each other out. And then with all of that, another red flag. And then they decided, OK, how are we going to restart this race? Many drivers have made uh, massive gains. We had Nico Hulkenberg up in fourth place. Yuki Sonoda got up to fifth place. So they were quite happy to stay there and they wanted to keep those positions because they would obviously inherit the points come the end. And with literally about two laps remaining, they decided they would restart the race, but they would take the positions from the initial restart that they had which means that Alonso would then go back up to his third place uh, and uh, and so Hulkenberg and the like would go down to I think they ended up in about P7 P8 in the end so it was all a bit confusing some drivers left very frustrated and some uh, well quite happy that they did manage to keep the points that they had hard earned throughout the race. Now Harry Alex Albon's crash was the first crash of the race I think that really uh, needed intervention from the officials if you if you take Leclerc going out on the first round, uh, the first lap. But Albon, the way he crashed, he was kind of stuck out on the on the race line. He was lucky he didn't get hit where he was. Um, the stewards, that seems to have been forgotten because uh, was it the stewards there when they uh, they pushed go for the race to restart? They restarted straight into that area and everybody had to break. Um, there, there was nearly another crash. I mean, how much flack are the FAI stewards getting from uh, from the teams over the, the the red flags and the way that they actually ran this race? Well, you're, you're, you picked that point very well. I think that has been a little bit forgotten. Um, you know, the, the race uh, restart, I believe, was under investigation because of that replay where we saw everybody slow up in that place where Albon had crashed. I think it was around turn six. And, um, and uh, Kevin Magnussen, I believe, in the house was forced to skirt right over the gravel to avoid uh, causing a collision. I've not seen anything come from that at the moment. So either it's still under investigation or there's no further action because of all the other things that happened in that race. Um, so yeah, that sort of gone under the carpet a little bit i think and uh, a bigger question was posed why was the red flag called for alex albon's crash really we think we could have got away with a safety car for that one did we really need a red flag just yet more questions that people have for the fia yeah a lot of a lot of red flags uh harry where do you put the melbourne uh track in the in the racing calendar as far as uh you know these red flags go and the speeds that they were getting up to and the over over um, shoot of of corners and bits and pieces like that. It looked like they didn't just want to win the win the race. Uh, a lot of these drivers were putting themselves right in harm's way for a lot big part of these uh, this race. Yeah, well, I think it, it goes to show how 
how tight it is uh, in Formula One at the moment. I mean, if you put uh, Red Bull and Max Verstappen aside, uh, the field is incredibly tight. It's just thousands of a second that can separate you from perhaps a third or fourth place finish all the way back to being out of the point. So you've got to get your elbows out. We've seen in the first couple of races that really, if, if it's the top teams that finish uh, the race, the only chance of, of uh, the midfield teams, and we're talking pretty much everybody from, uh, we've well, you got your Hasses, your Alfa Romeos, your, your Alfa Tauris, your Williamses, they're all kind of fighting for that one P10 spot, which is only a point. So any chance you can to get in front, you're going to take it. And with the four DRS zones that Melbourne, part, uh, that Melbourne now has, uh, especially the one running down to the fast uh, left, right, nine, 10 complex, um, is super powerful so that really provided a lot of overtaking which i think in the end actually led to one of the more entertaining australian grand prix we've had in quite some time and max verstappen and the red bulls have been very very quick and a lot quicker than everybody else um so far this season that was verstappen's second win of the season but it's got if you're toto wolf you've got to be happy with what you're starting to see from mercedes because it felt like race one they were a long way behind uh, red bull but you know george russell the way he started the race uh, the way uh, lewis hamilton finished the race it feels like they they've maybe closed that gap already well it's interesting hamilton saying you know we haven't brought anything new to this race you know theoretically we should have been exactly where we have been there's talk in the paddock that our oh, red bull and max verstappen not showing their true pace are they keeping you know seven tenths of a second in hand because they don't want to quite showcase that i find that hard to believe but it's formula one nothing's impossible i think we can take a lot of hope from this in the fact that you know mercedes are quicker than i think they are making out you know there's been a lot of pr from mercedes about how they're apologizing to their fans you know they haven't got it right this that and the other they haven't produced a particularly bad car i think it is better than what they had last year but it's just Red Bull have absolutely blitzed the field. And when you take into account, you know, the step forward Aston Martin have made as well, it makes Mercedes look worse than they actually are. So I think when you get races like this, it does showcase that actually it is tighter than you think it is. And these new regulations, which of course came into effect last year, are beginning to work. We are going to see this get better and better. It's going to take at least to the end of this year to properly uh, get uh, a competitive order, I think, because right now, you know, it's all over the place. And what about Oscar Piastri managed to secure points on home? So what did you make of his driving throughout the weekend? Yeah, well, let's be honest. They both McLarens lucked into those points, really, didn't they? But they kept it out of the wall and they were there at the very end. And I think they were the big beneficiaries of the two Alpines taking each other out, really, which uh, allowed them to get points. But Piastri, again, had some good wheel-to-wheel fights. I think that's the thing that most people are uh interested in because he's had that whole year off last year you know we know he's great we know he can win from the front but is he a bit race rusty and i think you know he he said to himself i I, i'm great for racing in australia i got so many practice starts out of it you know i feel like i'm really good at my starts now so there's always a silver lining with everything but piastri i think has been quietly impressive an eighth place finish norris clearly had the better of him this time around but it was only a couple of weeks ago where piastri managed to get into q3 so i think piastri is is really going to come good over the course of the year and certainly seems to be uh, having a better time at mclaren than danny ricardo did what do you think aston martin have done so well i mean this is fernando alonso's third third place his third podium i don't i don't think he's had three podiums in a row uh, since he was at ferrari uh, what are they doing so well well, it's the car for a start. It's uh, it's the poaching of uh, Red Bull um, 
Red Bull's Dan Fallows, who was uh, sort of underneath Adrian Newey and uh, the amount of things he learned from Adrian Newey and the Red Bull outfit, I'm sure he's carried straight over to Aston Martin. But I also think it's the philosophy of Aston Martin now. I think they are a team on the rise. They've got uh, massive backing, of course, in the form of, of Lawrence Stroll. And let's not forget Fernando Alonso. He's one of the best drivers in the world. I think that's not being forgotten, but, you know, he's had such a torrid time of it over the last, well, decade, I suppose, really, since those Ferrari days. And even then, you know, it was Ferrari, so he came oh so close, but never quite got that golden ticket. Now he's in a position where he can absolutely rinse that Aston Martin. And he knows he's not quite there in the fight for the wins. But I think that almost makes him a better driver makes him more complete lance stroll as well as coming on leaps and bound after his shaky starts of the year with that injury uh, that he uh, received to his wrist and his uh, ankle and his toes in pre-season so i think aston martin have got a really good package which if you look at their australian grand prix this time last year it, it was a disaster for them you know vettel win the walls along with stroll so really good stuff from from alonso and aston martin at the moment i'm sure he'll be desperate to try and get a second or a first place to, to stop the run of third places but for now I think he'll very much take that yeah definitely uh what about Ferrari you mentioned them pointless this weekend lost Leclerc first first lap signs uh in that mix-up ended up relegated to 12th place so out of the points um do, do they really just have to blow it up and and start again I mean you know what you said about Aston Martin feels like Ferrari are just targeting the wrong people yeah, well, of course, we, we're still waiting to see what Fred Vasseur can bring to the table, their new team principal. We won't really see what he can bring to that team until at the very earliest, halfway through the year. We're still seeing the remnants of what Mattia Bonotto created uh, and carried on into this year. Clearly, the car's not fast enough. But actually, I mean, from the driver's perspective, Carlos Sainz had a, a, a much better weekend than usual. You know, he's normally, I think, fair to say, a, a couple of tenths off Leclerc. Everyone expects Leclerc to be in front of him. But Sainz absolutely had the measure of him. I think that five-second uh, penalty that he got for the collision with Alonso was a bit harsh in the grand scheme of things, considering it was technically for a lap that never actually happened. But, of course, it did happen and dropped him out of the points. So a real shame for him. Charles Leclerc... Well, it, it almost seems like it's more than just the car at the moment because this has been the worst start to his Formula One season in his entire Formula One career. I think the worst start is probably his first ever season with Sauber, but at least he finished all the three races. He didn't score any points. Only one points finish with a seventh place. He's 10th in the standings. He's behind Hulkenberg and Norris. You know, this is, this is a disaster, not just for Ferrari in general, but for Charles Leclerc when... He won this race last year and led the championship. It couldn't be further from the truth right now. So do they rip up the playbook? I don't think they do. I think Ferrari are still, you know, trying to figure out who's in the right places. They are starting to move some of the, the technical team around. But we're not going to see that come into effect until, as I said, being optimistic at the halfway stage of the, of the year. Harry, thanks very much for coming on and uh, and giving us your thoughts, mate. Who knows? You might be commentating Leclerc in F3 the way he's going uh, before the end of the season, mate. Uh, keep up the good work at Sky Sport UK. Thank you very much, mate. Have a good one. Yeah, Harry Benjamin there with us. Uh, this is Ricardo and Kempi for breakfast. Thanks to Chemist Warehouse, the real house of fragrance. Kempi, off the back fence next.
the back fence with Tony Kemp. Yes, where do we put this current Chiefs team? My second team, Uncle Brett, the Munna. Where exactly are they after another good win against the Blues side that once again couldn't put the opposition away? You may say that this may be an Auckland perspective, but am I asking about this, when I'm asking about this, am I really clutching at straws when I say that currently only our Auckland team would come up with an error such as Bodie Barrett's? To step on the dead ball line was such a huge error. But is it only an error that would be would actually happen in Auckland, Ricardo? Now on the weekend, the Chiefs and the Crusaders really rolled their sleeves up. They've accounted for another couple of teams hoping to win a Super title. And to be honest, apart from the Hurricanes, the Chiefs and the Crusaders look dead set to be the two teams playing out this year's final. I'm also wondering if this is where we call the makeup of the final right here, right now. Can anyone see the Hurricanes? the Blues or the Highlanders seriously challenging these two teams at the top. And as for the Aussie teams, don't get me started. The Munna are surely the team to beat. Unbeaten so far, the question is, who can loosen their grip from the trophy? Who you got, Rick? Off the back fence with Tony Kemp. That's a great call. That's a great call, Kempy. Uh, you know, the, the one thing that I looked at at this blue, at the Blues team that you talk about, right, because I'm born and bred Auckland boy, so I always want the Blues to do well, as I thought Luke Romano was going to be a massive miss this season. Um, Patrick Tuopilotu come back in, but coming back in, but he can't do it all on his own. And, you know, Cameron Suofoa looks a good player, like he's a really good player, but he's played most of his rugby at six, and they're starting him as a lock. And I just thought they were going to be too small in the injury room. Um, and I think that was a big difference against that Chiefs side. You know, you've got uh, Cameron Suofoa going and Sam Darry going up against two all-black locks. It, it was always going to be a, a difference maker, and I don't think there's too many locks around uh, the same size as Guzzler, mate, and certainly none on that Blues team, and it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was always going to be an uphill battle in the in the engine room. The talk, the talk of Damien McKenzie being the Premier number 10 as well in the country, he's done the job with Richie Mwanga. He had Bodie Barrett on the weekend, you have to say he got the points on that. What about Ian Foster? Does he move Damien McKenzie in the, the equation of the premier number 10 in the country? I don't think so. I think Richie Mwanga will still be a starter. Um, but what it does do is, you remember last season, the All Blacks' third 10 was Stephen Petafeta, right? Now, last season when the Blues played the Chiefs in Hamilton, the Blues won that game 25-0. And who started in the 10 jersey? Stephen Petafeta. So... This is really McKenzie versus Petafeta for that third third option. A guy who can play 10, can play fullback, um, and I think D-Mac is well ahead in that race at the moment through no fault of Petafeta's own because I've got to say, I have not been impressed with Bowden Barrett at all this season. He just doesn't quite look there. He looks a bit off. I don't know if it's an injury or if he's having problems still with his head or what it is, but he just doesn't quite look the player we know he is. And, uh, you know, there must be a point where Leon McDonald goes, you know what, I'm going to start Peter Feta at 10. Mm. And maybe maybe Bodie, you know, goes back and plays a bit of fullback. I'm, I'm not too sure what you do with Bodie. I, I tend to agree with you. What about home advantage, you know? You've got the Chiefs at home, you've got the Crusaders at home. How big is that going to be come final time? Well, you know, the home advantage is more of an advantage for some teams than for others. Like, I think it's more of an advantage for the Chiefs than it is for the Blues. Right? You come to you, you can come to Eden Park and play the Blues, and you could be anywhere. But if you go to Hamilton and play the Chiefs, you know you're in Chiefs territory. 
Same with the Crusaders. You go to you go to Orange Theory Stadium, play the Crusaders. You know you're in Christchurch. You you go to Eden Park. You could be anywhere, mate. I mean, a it's never full, and b because Auckland's such a melting pot, half the fans that are there are there to see the other team anyway, not not the Blues. You know what I mean? <laughs> and talking about a melting pot, what about Bodie Barrett stepping on the on the dead ball line? Like seriously, when I put that together off the back fence, I was thinking only in Auckland, only an Auckland team. You know, we should be the best team in the country, given given that this is the majority of where sport is played. And then you come up with that where you could have actually put a nail in a coffin and uh, you come up with that sort of error what, at what, that what, stage of your career. What do you think of that? Yeah, mate, I, I think that says a lot about where his head's at at the moment because his kicking was off, right? So the Blues had scored two tries. He failed to convert either of those tries. So his head, when he gets across that line, isn't about scoring the try and getting the job done. It's about getting it closer to the post to make the kick easier for him because it's obviously playing on his mind. Yeah, I've got the mana, Ricardo. They're my second team. <laughs> well, it's interesting you say that because I think at the moment they they look, and I know it's easy to say because they've had six wins from six wins uh, from six games, but they look the best team in the competition at the moment. Uh, I, I know Steve Devine the other day he said that you know. Uh, through no fault of their own, because of all the injuries they've got, you know, no Will Jordan, no Sevu Reese, no Cullen Grace. Um, they, at the moment, Sam Whitelock's out as well. So, but the Crusaders at the moment just they don't have uh, the the X factor players to put other teams away like they used to have due to injuries. And his take on it is that um, the, the the Crusaders aren't good enough to win it this year, basically oh. because of, of of who they're missing. Yeah, well, that's a big call because their B team got the job done against the Reds on the weekend. Um, mate, they just keep showing up. Yeah, yeah, oh, they do. They do. I mean, like they'll, they'll never stop. But, I mean, if you put, you know, I was going to say it's, it's not easy to go to Queensland and beat the Reds, but it's a lot easier to go to Queensland and beat the Reds than it is to go to Hamilton and beat the Chiefs. I mean, does that same team get the job done against the Chiefs? No. Well, that's what I'm saying. That's what are you saying? Text us double eight, double three on the tip of bed. Bedpost text machine. Give us your thoughts. Can the Chiefs just go home now, take the trophy, put it in the cabinet? That's what I'm saying. Or do the Crusaders make a run at the title along with the Hurricanes? Uh, for me, for Uncle Brett, we know where we're sitting at the moment. Who's going to change our mind? Double eight double three. Double eight double three is the temper bedpost text machine or 0800 150 811. And uh, a nice little surprise too from uh, Joe in the kitchen, Kempi. He has managed to cat, uh, to track down Richie Barnett, and he is going to join us before 8 o'clock to talk rugby league. Time now, though, to catch up with Aroha with news for Kubota. Together, we are shaping and building New Zealand. Morning, it's 28 to 8 here on SCNZ. Time for your sports headlines. Thanks to Ken Attire. Ken Attire makes your job easy. Kenart.co.nz. Well, Chelsea have just announced they've sacked head coach Graham Potter after losing to Aston Villa 2 0 over the weekend. The English coach had been in some hot water for a while after, with Chelsea sitting on 11th on the Premier League table. He was holding out hope that success in the Champions League would be enough to save his job but he never got the chance. Chelsea will face Real Madrid in the first league of the quarterfinals next Thursday. And Scott Dixon and Scott McLaughlin finished fifth and sixth this morning at the Texas Motorway Speedway in 
IndyCar Action. Those are your headlines, boys. Thanks to Ken Altai. Ken Altai makes your job easy. Talk to someone who has taken the Ken Oath today. And Choices Flooring Poll time. Uh, start the countdown, boys. The NBL season is starting on Thursday. Our Target Nuggets get back to action on Sunday. They're just six days out from their first game of the NBL season. So I want to know, do you see them repeating as champions? Yes? No? Only if Kempi's coaching? Or this is this is a <laughs> neat special. He's, he's throwing stuff around the rumor mill. Not if Lamar, LeVar Ball remains as GM. Apparently LeVar Ball has just signed on as a Tugger <laughs> Nuggets GM. I'm not sure if this is verified yet. This is just what we've heard around the office. Um, you can you can vote on the SENZ app. Just click on is in Kempi for breakfast and have your vo- vote that's the Choices Flooring poll brought to you by Choices Flooring Choices Flooring Spaces for Living Catalogue sell on now there you go what do you reckon boys? Oh, yeah I, I actually think uh, to be to be slightly serious for a moment uh, although you can never have too many balls involved in anything uh, as as Ricardo Ball speaking uh, but I, I think uh, the, you look at the Auckland Tuatara and you look at the Wellington Saints and how they've recruited this season it's going to be very tough for our night and day nuggets to go back to back. Um, they'll be there or thereabouts. Um, Brett uh, Matahiri is a, a great coach, but I, I do I do think they might just be a little bit light uh, in terms of personnel when you compare them to some of the other teams, Kempi. Yeah, look, it, it was really good to talk to uh, Brent Matahiri down in uh, Dunedin when we were down there with the Chemist Warehouse doing the breakfast. I think... Uh, you know, I'll have to turn down that assistant coach's job, Joey, that he threw my way, the contract. Um, you know, quite happy working here at SENZ, uh, just, you know, supporting and and uh, looking at Hutchie's uh, wonderful Otago Nugget team as opposed to helping them out. Look, I think they can do it. I think they've, their acquisition um, of the, uh, the young bloke, the name just slips my mind, that they announced on the weekend. We'll try to get it out of them while we're down there. We'll help them. Uh, but, you know, you're right, Ricardo. Every time... You've got the title on your on your um, your mantelpiece. You come up against teams. They they set you as the benchmark and the team to beat. Because one of the things like bragging rights you have when you beat the reigning champions is that you can sit there and say, well, maybe we should have been in the finals last year to t- to take this um, this title off you. So they've got a hard job to do this year. But there's nothing like going into it as favourites. It's uh, it picks you up and makes you really want to go out there and and play. Uh, the game hard and fast and look I like the way that he's setting his team up uh, Brent he's he's got a really good culture down there he's using tikanga Māori in and around making players know who they are and they're all bought into it yeah uh, was it uh, was it Jacory McLaughlin is that, that's, is that the, that's the guy the former, the, the former NBA player isn't he he's was, was like 25 so yeah that's a that's a great pickup Great pickup for the Nuggies. Uh, we'll have to see how they go. No doubt we'll be talking to Justin Nelson uh, from Sky Sport between now and the uh, start of the season on that as well. It is 7.36 here on SENZ Breakfast with uh, Ricardo and Kempe. Up next, we're going to be talking rugby league with former Sharky Richie Barnett. It's 18 away from 8 o'clock here on SENZ. Kempi and Ricardo for breakfast. Is he over in France at the moment with B for the next month? So you got me every Monday uh, for the next month. Plenty of texts through on double eight, double three as well. Kempi, every team's your second team, so you can't lose. That's from Mark. <laughs> Let me uh, just work that out, Mark. Yeah, seriously. And, and uh, this one, no name on it, but hey, Chiefs rugby are too classy, but I'd rather listen about uh, to you talk about their 
mighty New Zealand Warriors. So let's do that because uh, we have a former shark on the phone who uh, probably uh, is still in a state of shock. Richie Barnett, uh, good morning to you, sir. Ricardo, how are you? Oh, I'm good, mate. I'm good. Uh, morning. I, I, don't, I, I said this earlier to Kempe that uh, I was on the uh, in the lounge with the family telling them that I had to watch the Warriors game. My daughter desperately wanted to watch a movie because she doesn't want to watch sport. And at 20-0, I went, all right, what movie do you want to watch? And I, I missed the rest of the game. I don't know how, how much you got through. Uh, <laughs> crikey. Uh, it was incredible. Uh, absolutely. I've never seen a game like it. And I've got to say, uh, we've spoken about it so often, about rugby league and the Warriors Association and how things have changed how things have changed, the way people are talking about the Warriors, in terms of resilience, in terms of never giving up, it is phenomenal. Last night was phenomenal. Hey, Richie, what's impressed you so far from the side? Is it their defence or their offence, the, what's happening off the pitch? What's impressed you? Yeah, it, it is. I think the, 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 way people, the way they're talking, like they initially when they started, it was, let's settle to try try get to the top eight. And it wasn't the top eight. It was like, why, why settle for top eight? Why not go for top top four? And so that, that verbiage changed quite considerably and everyone bought into it. But, I, I mean, a lot of things that I, I, was, I, was, I was impressed with um, since they started was the, just the effort that in, in, in all areas, you know, the back five are being superb, the effort in terms of pushing, uh, pushing decoy runners, all those little one percenters that, that make up the game. So it's all the additional stuff that make up the rugby league, that everyone works so hard during the year to, 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 to bridge the gap from what they did last year, and they've certainly done that. You know, they were poor last year in terms of defence in the middle. They were weak on the edges, and they're just, just finding resilience and belief within the side that um, I've never seen before. Richie, you talk, use the term resilient, and, and I think that's a great term to use because in the past we've seen Warriors teams be in those kind of holes and their heads go, right? Um, mm. and, and, and that's all she wrote. And, you know, the next, you know, I was kind of expecting, you know, the next morning to read about a, a 46 10 loss or something like that when they're 20 0 down after 20 minutes. It didn't happen. I know you do a lot of work in, in that sort of field yourself uh, now. How do you build that resilience? Well, it's really belief, you know, that everyone buys into the same, I guess, this, this, uh, in my, my, my understanding in most things is, is if you've got pure belief and, and, and understanding um, how they want to deliver it and, and what they're buying into, and if you have absolute 100% belief that you can achieve it, then that's the start. Um, and then you have confidence within players around you, so they've bought purchase some um, pretty phenomenal players, to be honest, that have, have those standards, a very high standard within themselves. Um, and they come into an organisation um, who they don't know much about, but they buy into the effort areas, attitude, discipline, all those types of uh, characteristics that, that make up a team and um, and it's got to be led it's got to be led by players not not words coming out it's actually got to be fundamentally um, walking it and I just, hey, it's just incredible hey Richie let's talk Sean Johnson Nico Hines it was oh, a battle yeah. last night um, Sean Johnson he's taken his game back to what we've uh, we used to used to from Sean Johnson what's impressed you about him most I think he's got an element of patience about what he's doing. I think he's delivering. His kicking game is on point. 
um, this year. Um, his running game has allowed him to, to, to do that more often. He's scanning around the field at times, and I think it's, it's that age thing as well. Um, all the tidy-up work has been done. The aggressive defences around him has supported it, but he's absolutely bought into it. His attitude is a different type of attitude that I've seen. His defence has definitely improved. Um, but it's really the surrounding players around him that's really given him confidence as well. You've got to give credit to everybody doing their little little bits and bobs around the paddock that really make up every individual player. So, but Sean has just delivered immensely. Um, I like the fact that, and I was I was watching the kicking game, Kemper. You know, like, and it, I thought it was really pedestrian how he kicked high, but now I understand actually why he does that. You know, by kicking it up, I mean, he's he's buying about two or three seconds for the defensive line mm. to come through. And, you know, with their fullbacks in this game today, they find little holes and gaps if you're a tiring defence and they'll exploit it. But he's kicking it high so that the defence is moving up uh, in a rope defence and there's no real room for those fullbacks and wingers to, 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 to time through those gaps. On Kiwis watch, mate, just how good is uh, Ronaldo Mulitalo? Uh, 21 tries in 28 games, I think it is, going back to last season. He's averaging 120 run metres per game as well. Uh, it's just form, win- form winger in the comp, isn't he? Yeah, he's, he's phenomenal. And I think, again, he's, he's a really confident player. Um, he, he, he oozes that. And, and, again, that's a belief within yourself that you, no matter what happens, you, you, you'll, you'll go out and perform. Um, but Mulatalo's been outstanding, but I've got to give a massive credit to Chance. He's been second to mm. none. Like those carries last night, seriously in wet conditions. I think it was some like twenty-two carries in a couple of hundred meters. Like he never, he, there was there wasn't many opportunities for him to to make easy yards. Everything was under pressure. The kicks were going up, and he had to front it. Um, in actuality, you know, when you look at what he did, and then Militalo came up with a, probably two errors that brought the Warriors back into the game too. So, and that was based on the kicking game. I know there was one that was a, a blatant drop, but they got under his skin a little there. That was just applied pressure, and um, and I just love their patience. The Warriors, you know, of, of old, where they would. Absolutely, they're eight points behind, ten points behind, and they would try to throw some passes and try to find their way the easy way. Now it's just stay in it, um, grind away, build pressure, get numbers in there. Um, and even they were dominated earlier with their with the way that Cronulla was playing, and that was that was that was charging through the middle and dominated that ruck speed. They were owning that at the beginning, but the Warriors just just peeled away and they, they came back. Um, knowing that eventually they will win the game in the last 10 minutes because they're losing the game in the first 10 minutes. They're winning the game in the last 10 minutes of every, every game we've seen based on around 85% um, completion rate, which has generally won all their games. Yeah, big completion rate. They are uh, sitting first in the competition, Richie. Yeah, we're nearly yeah. half a dozen games through the competition. You know, you, it's about time people start to uh, to make their predictions on, on what's going to happen throughout the year. Have you seen enough for this Warriors team to get back in the eight? Yeah, oh, totally. Completely. I mean, last night's performance to me highlighted that they probably are the, the fittest, one of the fittest teams in the competition. You know, with, with what they had to deal with right throughout that game, there is no way they should have been 12-26 at half time. And they should never have won that game 
and with the limited amount of possession and completion rate they were under. For the first 15 minutes, I think they had one um, set, set that they completed. Now, where, yeah. where does that stack up? How does that work when you're looking at the numbers and you're going, there's no way the side should have won that game and there's no way they should have been anywhere near it with 12 points. So with 6% possession in that first 15 minutes, holy, it's just mind-blowing what they did. And, you know, Sean Johnson's, um, the way he talked after that game, um, they're having fun. <laughs> they're having fun. This is a side that I've never seen laugh and smile and, and, and enjoy their football. And that's a scary proposition for any side. Yeah, you're dead right. Once they're, once they're getting those wins, especially when all the stats are stacked up against you and you're yeah. smiling, uh, you know they, oh. they're going to come out week in, week out and play really well. Look, you've got a big challenge yourself coming up with your run and your ride with Carmo. Just tell us a little bit about that and, and how your preparation's going. Oh, mate. Yeah, talk about resilience. Yeah, it's going to be so interesting, you know, 16 days. <laughs> 16 days and it's getting colder, right? So the water's going to be cold, the, the, the runs and the rides. And, I, I mean, listen, I'm looking forward to it, raising awareness for mental health and wellbeing and uh, to, to allow people to understand that Gumboot Friday is a, is a free counselling service, face-to-face counselling service for under-25-year-olds in this country and you don't have to pay. To me, that, that warms my heart immensely and it gives kids opportunity not to get to a crisis point, but for kids who just just struggle to find there's something not quite right and it just needs them to go and get online and gumbootfriday.org.nz to, to select for themselves a counsellor or someone just to have a conversation with just to talk about things and, and, and hopefully support that. And yeah, it's not government funded, so uh, we're, the, we're the biggest and largest and most effective face-to-face counsellors, counselling service in New Zealand. Nice work, man. Nice work. You need to do what I've done, Richie, uh, in preparation for this is is build your subcutaneous flat, uh, you know, going into winter. So <laughs> I've got the blue whale theory, mate. I, I wouldn't need a wetsuit. I'd be fine. But hey, Liz, best of luck to you, mate. Keep up the good work, eh? I will. I will, Ricardo. And Kempi, have a great day. It's 8.04 here on SENZ. Uh, Kempi and Ricardo for breakfast with Izzy over in France with Beaver uh, filming. Uh, well, they say they're filming. They say they're working. You know that Beaver had the cheek, uh, Kempi, last week I was working on drive. He had the cheek to say... Oh, I've only got three days off the whole time I'm over there. It's like, mate, you're on the donut. You're not working that hard. You're going to be filming a TV show. What are you doing? Maybe three hours a day? The rest of the time, it'll be Beaujolais and baguettes. Come on, I've got no sympathy. Well, three hours is like a 30-hour week for those boys. You know that, eh? <laughs> So, you know, let's let's make sure that we send over some ice baths, plenty of, um, you know, masashi to go with that, and uh, give Asman uh, from Chemist Warehouse a, a call and send over medical um, bucket for them too because I'm pretty sure they'll be well, pretty sore after the work that they do over there in yeah. that full three hour days exactly is there a liver cleansing kit you can get because I'm pretty sure that's going to take a hit pretty sure that is going to take a hit still to come this hour on the show we're going to catch up uh, with the uh, Harry Jav to talk some cricket before nine o'clock Joey's got headlines uh, for us as well with Gull and we'll catch up with your mate Paulie my anchor Let's just let's just let, make sure we stop down when we say that, so it doesn't sound like something a else. Bart Kempe, a, a Bart Simpson moment. Oh, that was that was hilarious. The anchor, Paulie Mawadi. That's how you say it. 
And uh, yes, <laughs> I hear what you're saying, boys. That, uh, I can't wait to talk to Paulie. He will absolutely win himself when he hears that. He will, mate. He will indeed. Now, we had a, another massive weekend of Super Rugby this weekend. It is round six. The Highlanders got up 45-17 over Moana Pacifica at Mount Smart. The Crusaders did the job on the road at Suncorp 25-12 over the Reds. The Drua got up. Great win for them again at home. They're tough to, uh, tough to beat at home. Beat the Rebels 38-28. The Chiefs uh, got it done over my Blues, twenty to thirteen. The Brumbies in a tight one, forty to forty, uh, forty to thirty-six over the Tars, and the Canes conceded forty-two points to the Western Force, but still managed to win by three in Palmy. To joining us to talk about all of that and more is the man they call Carmo Ian Jones. G'day, Carmo. How you doing, mate? Yeah. Good morning, Ricardo. Good morning, Kempe. Morning. Mate, uh, I've got to say, uh, Carmo, I, I know having done Chiefs Mana with you plenty of times, you know, you like to talk about the, all the work that the forwards do and, you know, it's great that backs do what they do, but they can't do it without the forwards. Uh, I, I do have to ask myself, what if you were wearing a blue jersey in the, tr- in the change rooms after the game, uh, what would you have been saying to, uh, to Bowden Barrett as a man who's just done all the toil of the Type 5 and he goes and steps on the, uh, on, on the byline? Well, that's, that's the thing, mate. I wouldn't have spoken to him. I wouldn't have spoken to him for a week. Um, <laughs> and uh, absolutely would have given some talky looks. I mean, it didn't cost them too much. They scored a try uh, pretty much straight away. So that kind of made up for it. But, um, yeah, you'd just be screaming, wouldn't you? Get the bloody ball down, mate. Just get the ball down. Uh, yeah. But, you know, it's... Um, Oh man, I tell you, I was down at that game on uh, on Saturday night. God, I love live sport. Absolutely, if you can, you're in that area, get along, watch your your teams live. It's fantastic. Although, Ricardo, I was pretty happy I didn't have a heart rate monitor on because um, those last ten minutes it would have been through the roof. Yeah, Carmo, you look at the you look at the Chiefs and the run that they've made the start of the season, and I picked last week that they were sort of dipping. Um, through a little bit of form, but just the way that they've they've shown a bit of resilience this year. Have you um, impressed the most about that? Just their resilience, Kimpy. In this long competition, or any long competition, any sport you play, the teams aren't going to be able to kind of build every week and get better and better. There's going to be ups and downs, troughs. The coaches got to pick that and you know rotate players accordingly. And you know, in a long competition like this, no matter how great you are, you got to lose your game very rare in, in sport like this to go through a season unbeaten. So, you know, I'm very passionate about the Chiefs, but I'll expect them, and you should factor in, they will lose the odd game uh, in the round robin. But, yeah, what I've been really impressed with, and this they made, I wasn't watching the Blues, to be honest with you, a lot uh, down there on Saturday night. It was all about the Chiefs for me, and they made a lot of mistakes. They couldn't get out of their half. Their kick-off receipts, uh, they would have been really disappointed with to put pressure on themselves to make the game so tight. But boy, they were resilient. You're absolutely right. And whilst they made lots of individual errors, Kempe, their systems in terms of their defensive alignments, in terms of what they're trying to do on attack, were absolutely rock solid. Um, And whilst, so you make the odd mistake, when your systems are rock solid and people know what they're doing in those systems, eventually uh, the cream rises to the top and they get the job done. Got the buy this weekend, Carmo. Uh, it's probably a nice time to have the buy, isn't it? To you bank six straight wins and put your feet up for a week. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, you can look at it both ways, can't you, Ricardo? 
uh, a guy like you, yeah, might want to put your feet up, mate. And, uh, <laughs> uh, have a day Always. Off. <laughs> a lot of those other guys, uh, it's about momentum. There's some, you know, we talk about the depth of squads and there'll be some guys and some of the pe- players that came off the bench for the Chiefs on the weekend will be itching to keep that momentum going, keep building, keep doing what they love doing, mate. These guys are rugby players. These are sports people uh, want to play uh, and that's what they want to do. So, yeah, I mean, I know Clayton will probably be pretty pleased with the buyer to rest up some of his big men, Retallick, Sam Kane, uh, D-Mac, who've played plenty of minutes. But I know there'll be others out there itching to to get back on the field and keep playing. So let's hope they can keep that momentum going after the bye week because, as you and I talk about a lot, you know, it's two games down this kind of block of four. Um I think they can go this block of four, three from four, but um, they may readjust that now and think they can go four from four, but uh, it's about momentum. Yeah, and you're dead right after the bye. They've got to travel down to Wellington to play the Hurricanes. Uh, where do you put this game in the bigger scheme of things, Karma coming off a bye? Well, it's 100% at the top, Kempe, because this isn't so much about getting the win against another New Zealand side away from home. Uh, this one here is about who provided the season pans out as we expect it to pan out, gets uh, home advantage in the playoffs. Um, that's really what this game's all about, mate. We go back to every competition once more in the world. Um, home advantage in playoff times, semi-final, final times is key. So to get an away win against the number two on the table uh, puts you absolutely in the box seat uh, come playoff time. So that's how big a game that is between the for the Chiefs, really, um, but also for the Canes as well going forward. What did you read into uh, their game yesterday against the Force conceding 42 points, particularly towards the back end? I think they conceded, what, three converted tries in the last 10 minutes? Yeah, well, firstly, let's say how how great the afternoon rugby is, so it's a big check for the organisers, uh, and, and let's have more of that. Secondly, so good to have it back in the, the provinces, so beating the people, and it looked pretty good from TV, uh, in Palmerston North, so that's a huge ticket. Just, I mean, if it can be possibly done to, to take games out uh, amongst your franchise, um, I know it all comes back to the dollar at some stage, but, mate, if they keep talking about the number one uh, people that we need to look after is the fans, well, look after the bloody fans and, and, and take the games to the fans. Don't expect the fans from Napier, Palmerston North to always have to travel to Wellington, so... You know, don't keep telling us we're important. Show us we're important. So that was good. Uh, well done to the Hurricanes people there for taking the game to Palmerston North. Fantastic. And you will get rewarded. Uh, but in terms of, yeah, as we talked about at the start, uh, this game, this competition is tough. It's tough physically. We, we know that. Uh, and tough mentally as well to sustain that mental kind of intensity right throughout the game. And whilst possibly uh, the game was kind of wrapped up and, you know, you mentally you, you, you drop off 5 or 10%. Uh, maybe that's what the Hurricanes did, but I think they always had enough in the tank, didn't they, to, to get the W? Question for you, mate. 
do the Crusaders have enough in the tank to go for another title? Uh, Steve Devine on the weekend was on the rugby run here on SCNZ and uh, he suggested that given the numbers that they've got out, um, Sevu Reese gone for the season, Cullen Grace potentially gone for the season, they've got a quite a lot of injury problems that they basically just don't have the cutting edge they used to and he's saying that they're not going to win the comp this year. Where, where have you got the Crusaders? Oh, they have to be up there because one of the great things about Scott Robinson and one of the great things about the Crusaders over the years is that they've had this tendency to bring people in and give those people confidence in, A, the systems we talk about with the Chiefs as well and them just doing their role. Nothing more, nothing less. So just because of that alone, they have to be contenders. Look at their history. They have to be contenders. The thing that the Chiefs and the Hurricanes, who are one and two on the table, really need to do is make sure if the Crusaders are going to contend for the title, they have to do it outside of Christchurch. So much easier uh, with home advantage, Christchurch, end of the, the winter. Um, never that pretty uh, down there at the stadium out at Rickerton. So they have to do it away from home. Doing away from home, we know, uh, not impossible, but a lot harder. So that's really the, the role of the Crusaders, uh, the Hurricanes, sorry, and the Chiefs to make sure they have the home advantage semi-final and final time um, uh, to deny the Crusaders, but my, they will be in contention. They've got so much class. And then you have a guy like Sam Whitelock coming back into the mix who will just calm the farm, give people that confidence that they know they can get the job done. Scott Barrett clearly know what he can do. So no, I wouldn't um, write those Crusaders off, but I'd make sure... Uh, make it as hard as I can for them that they have to do it outside of Christchurch and that won't be as easy. Talking about bringing someone in, we've got Razor um, Robertson who's just been given the the All Blacks job after the World Cup, Carmo. Do you see anyone in the of the players in Super Rugby at the moment that the All Blacks um, may be bringing into the squad uh, come Test Football this year? Uh, well, they've got to be contenders, don't you, uh, Kempi? And it's it's that old argument we always have. Do you just pick on form, which is form is really important, momentum, confidence, all of that going into the squad, or do you pick on experience? Because it is a definite step up uh, test match level to what we can see in Super Rugby. We've seen over the years some amazing Super Rugby players not quite cut it at test match level because it is different. So I don't think we can always just pick these young bolters um, who, who are doing brilliantly well because form in the black jersey has to count. Um, but on the other flip side of that, unknown players and players that kind of you haven't gone face-to-face with too many times, you know, like the Sean Stevensons of the world, do become quite hard to defend against and quite hard to play against for the opposition who can do as much research as they like on the video analysis, but when you meet them face-to-face, become a bit of a trump card uh, for us. So yeah, I, I hope we do have the, the courage to, to pick some young guys who haven't had too much experience in the black jersey or any experience in the black jersey become the unknown quantity against the opposition. But you know, I also tend to fall back Kempe, uh experience and, and, and understanding uh, what, what that black jersey kind of means and that, that stage is, is also quite a big factor. Um, but you know, talking about Razor, hopefully we won't talk about him too much more in 223, made apart from being the Crusaders coach because all of our energy, uh, all of our um, support has to go behind 
i.e. the foster. He has to give, be given all the resources um, he possibly wants and needs um, because he is our all-black coach. He is our guy. You mentioned the All Blacks here, Carmo, and I, I can't help but think about that game uh, between the Blues and the Chiefs on the weekend. Uh, 20 to 13, of course, the Chiefs ended up the winners. You said the Blues, you know, were camped on the line for the last 10 minutes, and the, and the Chiefs' defence held out. It, it was touted as a bit of an All Black trial. You know, you had Christie up against Weber, Papali up against Kane, and a, and a few others. Who do you think, from a playing point of view, was the big winner on the weekend? Oh, Damien McKenzie was outstanding, mate. He was um, he was brilliant. He really was. I mean, I haven't watched him play live this year since he's come back from Japan. Uh, and when you watch a player live as opposed to watching it on TV, you can kind of see so much more of the influence. He was covering so much ground in the backfield. Um, you know, yep, he's going to make some mistakes when he runs laterally and, and, and gets caught behind the, the game line. But He's normally got the speed to get around that, so I was really impressed by him. Tilly, I was really impressed by, and I used to watch him quite a lot, but not live for Wanganui, but Stephen Perifeta was, he is brilliant. He really is. He's got such a, a composure about him. Um, was dropping between 10 and 15, but clearly uh, brilliant at both of those. And once more, his understanding of the game, his game play, so his always his positional awareness was really good. So I was, I was highly impressed with him. But as I said at the very start, to be honest, I wasn't watching the Blues too much, mate. It was all about the Chiefs uh, for, for me and my family uh, when we went down there and you know living and breathing every moment of our God. You know we were making those mistakes at kickoff time and just couldn't clear a line and giving these opportunities to the Blues and. Uh, the Blues didn't always capitalise, but man, it's um, I enjoyed it. I loved it. My my stomach was in a knot uh, towards the end, but uh, was relieved on the 80th minute mark. So fantastic. Now, Carmo, uh, you've got another challenge in front of you, and that's not just sitting through the Chiefs game without losing it. Uh, it is, of course, the Jew Drop uh, Hope Challenge as well. Uh, we, we had Richie Barnett on last hour talking NRL. Uh, we've got you on this hour. You're both involved. You're swimming, biking, running, and kayaking the whole of the North Island for Gumboot Friday. Of course, the weather's a bit chillier than it was when you were first agreed to do this, mate. Are you managing to stay out of the water? What, what's your job going to be? No, we had a beautiful swim with Rick Wells, the other the former Commonwealth Games gold medalist, world champ, triathlon is also part of our squad. So no, me and Rick had a pretty nice swim yesterday. So we kick off uh, in Cape Reinga, uh Tuesday the 11th of April. We're going to take 16 days to swim, bike and run, as you said, the coastal length of the North Island. So check out uh, the website, hopechallenge.co.nz, because more importantly, Ricardo, whilst we're doing this uh, epic journey, a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, uh, we're having, or Mike King and his I Am Hope Gumboot Friday organisation having 16 community events uh, at the 16 towns we're stopping in. So please do check that out. If you can, if you're in the area, come along, uh, have a bit of fun with Mike, um, Richie Barnett and the crew. Um, and yeah, so and we get hit Parliament on the... 26th of April, so a 16-day journey. It'll be be cool to be part of, cool to do, 
and just itching to go. Yeah, mate. Well, good luck with it. And I'll talk to you tomorrow night on Chiefs Mana here on SENZ. We'll, we'll get we'll get uh, more on that, mate. But uh, good luck with it as you as you get ready to go in about uh, just uh, just over a week's time, mate. And if you do want to uh, donate, you can just text Boots B O T S to four six nine to donate three dollars for free kids counselling as well. Good stuff, Carmo. Go well, mate. Enjoy your day. No, thanks very much, Ricardo. Thanks, Kempi. Everyone have a great day up there. Cheers. Cheers. 8.21 here on SENZ. This is Breakfast with Kempi and Ricardo. When we come up, uh, when we come back, I should say, the anchor, as we like to call them, is coming up from the TAB. Yes, yes, it's 8.26 and it's time for our TAB catch-up. Bet live on your favourite sports. Download the TAB app today. Paul the Anchor Mawari. I've got a confession to make, okay, Paulie? <laughs> You know, last you know last week it was the Isonator, yeah. the Kempinator, and Paul Mo Anchor. Remember that? Well, this morning when I put it together, I had a Bart Simpson moment, didn't I? And I didn't realise. But now your name is Paul the Anchor Mawadi. We're going to get to put the anchor first before we put it together because it does does it really great. <laughs> so apologies from me, Paulie, the anchor Moati. No. How'd you go on the weekend? Let's talk about let's oh. talk about uh, not just getting that name all mixed up, but mate, one that uh, I thought was just an outstanding one, and you've been talking about it all year. I wish I won. How good was that from Blast to first? Just sensation. They, they had no right winning, no right whatsoever, and wow, we just went whoosh. Um, just a fantastic, uh, you know, although we didn't get uh, the sort of the, the glory in the derby, um, it was still a very, very uh, good day for the Kiwis. So, um, yeah, I wish I weren't. And then at Awapuni, we uh, saw, what well, Christian Cullen and Pignon uh, uh, and, and, of course, Brando um, finally um, show that form that we thought uh, he possessed. So, yeah, it was a great, great day. Well, I thought for Kiwis, uh, well, a great day for Kiwis, certainly of the oval ball type, um, because boy, oh boy, did the Warriors do a wee bit of a job on the Cronulla Sharks. Now, don't feel too sad for Shark supporters because last week we had that um, NRL early payout promotion. So if your team led by eight or more at half time, we pay you out as winners in the head-to-head market. And Cronulla were up by, what was it, 14 points, I think, at half time. Um, so they got paid out. Uh, uh, one punter had $10,000 on the uh, Sharks at $1.24. He got paid out a winner, even though in the end they lost because because they were leading by eight or more at half time. So they're still, those Shark supporters, they still got a wee bit of money. But in terms of uh, Sean Johnson and that Warriors team, well, he's sort of, He's turned into Marty McFly. He's gone back to the future, Sean Johnson. He's, just, he's looking like he was, what, six, seven years ago. It's brilliant. I just had a look at the book there, and the book he's put out a few power plays around Sean Johnson. And if you remember back to the game, just before full time, where he kicked that penalty to give them a two-point lead, uh, and, of course, they held on and won, that two, point, uh, two points that he kicked that penalty, that meant he got 16 points for the game. Well, the... Bookies put out some power plays. Sean Johnson to score 12 or more points, that was paying $10. Johnson to score 14 or more points, that was paying $19. And Johnson to score 16 or more points, that was paying $41. So 
those faithful who jumped on, and there were a few of them out there, um, sometimes it's not that hard to pick up some very, very juicy odds. So Sean Johnson in that final uh, minute penalty goal to get to 16 points rewarded a number of punters out there. Of course, the Warriors, who fell behind early on, they got out to $31 head-to-head. <laughs> and the faithful didn't care. They just kept jumping on. So it was a great, great day for punters. We had a text through here from Gary uh, Kempe that says, uh, Paul Anchor, it's time to cry, Mawati. Get Kempe to sing it. <laughs> Stop it. All right. The boys in the kitchen, they've been, they've been winding me up all morning. And... Uh, yeah, Paulie, go back and have a listen to that. That is absolutely hilarious. Bart Simpson's in the house this morning on the Izzy and Kempe for breakfast. And uh, I know you, Paulie. I know you made plenty on I Wish I'd Win, so uh, I'm not going to say anything other than, yep, you're, uh, I'll, t- I'll pull that anchor up this week and um, I might throw it back out next week. Yeah, just for you to say, there's, what you got. there's no W in Mawati. Well, let's just leave it there. Paulie, thank you very much for your time this morning, brother. Go well. <laughs> Cheers, boys. Don't worry about it. I work for the TAB. I could have been called much worse. (laughs) (laughs) Watch and bet live on your favourite sports and racing at tab.co.nz. Please gamble responsibly. R18. You can text us double eight double three or call us 0800 150 811. Here's Aroha with the news for Kubota. Together we are shaping and building New Zealand. Twenty-seven to nine here on SCNZ. You're listening to Izzy and Kempi for breakfast with Ricardo and Kempi. The Black Fern Sevens and All Black Sevens have both struck gold in Hong Kong overnight as the Black Ferns team beats Australia twenty-six to seventeen in the women's final. While the All Black Sevens side ended Fiji's winning streak in Hong Kong to claim their men's title with a twenty-four to seventeen victory. Uh, also, boys, former world number one Daniel Mevtedev won the Miami Open title for the first time by beating Sinner in straight sets. It is, it is his fourth ATP title of 2023. And you've got a clip for us, Neeps, don't you, of Sean Johnson uh, celebrating the, the big win from last night. Bro, we spoke about it at halftime. Like, like, do we actually believe we can come out here and do it? We've, we spoke, <laughs> we said some funny stuff at halftime, bro. We were like, what a story it would be, you know? We tell our grandkids about this one day. Let's just go out and have a crack. And I thought we just, man, we're, we're so resilient, bro. I love being a part of it. It's just such a good feeling. And obviously so much to like, so much to not like. But at the end of the day, when you come here, you're a good side, bro. You're a good side and um, just stoked, hey? What a feeling. Sticking on the table, it is our year, boys. I'm putting all my salary on the. <laughs> the, the, oh, no. the no, Let's go! Don't do it. Come on! <laughs> oh, oh, how good! No more 4 a.m. starts for me, boys. I think uh, <laughs> I think it's gonna be cash money. Those are your headlines. Thanks to Gull Gull filling your mission. Pop into your local for some good value fuel. Visit gull.nz. And time for our flooring, a uh, choices flooring poll results. Thanks to Night and Day, over 50 stores nationwide. They've got it when you want it. Because it's all about the Otago Nuggets. We are just six days out from their first game of the 2023 NBL season. My question to you was, do you see them repeating as champions? Well, it's actually uh, splits. 40% say yes. And 40% say only if Kempi is coaching. Yeah. <laughs> so, Kempi, yeah. we're going to get you down there in Otago, mate. Set up a kit. Would you mind living in Dunedin? 100%. I love it. I'll, t- I'll tell you what, Brent Matahari is listening right now. 
I'll tell you, file through that contract, mate. I'll do a part-time gig for you. Brilliant. <laughs> run, run some skills sessions, Kempi. Run to yeah. how to offload in contact. I don't know what else. Oh. Can you, what else can you teach him? Oh, probably boat racing. <laughs> Pretty good at that. <laughs> hey, um, just going back to that Sean Johnson clip, Kempi. There was a bit uh, at the end of that clip that we didn't play actually because it was over two minutes. The the interview, but he talked about the kick, the penalty goal to win the game, right? And he said when he was at Cronulla. They would do these training sessions that would be pretty hard yakka. And then the coach, John Morris, would throw him the ball and say, kick a goal from there. If you can kick a goal from there, That's right. team training's over, the team can go home. Yep. And so he'd have all the team watching him kick the goal. And he kind of he said he took himself back to that time and that moment and that headspace and with the pressure on from his teammates to get one over for them so they could finish training for the day. Uh, it was a great story, I thought, and uh, you know, it was a good shout-out to old Bomber Morris, his old, old coach there at the Sharks too. Yeah, it was, and, it, and there is a number of stories like that, Ricardo, where the coach will choose a player to, to, um, to do a, an exercise or something like that to actually save the boys from, from more punishment. Um, so to hear that story from Sean last night, look, when I, when I listened to him, I just heard... Um, a, a guy that was pretty content within himself. You know, his, his conversation was real. He kept it real. He talked about what they said at halftime in the change rooms. It would have been, you know, boys looking at each other. They would never have talked like that in front of the coach, but they would have said to him, you know, well, what happens if we win this? You know, like we go out there and we'll tell, we'll tell our grandkids. Like they'll tell their grandkids about it. Seriously. Like if you're watching that game last night at 26 points when they are up, people left and went and watched a movie, didn't you? But... but they got the job done, and uh, and this week we'll bask about it. You obviously on Wednesday running it straight. Me and Sam Hewitt, Sammy Hewitt, he absolutely called a humdinger last night, and uh, I already see this morning the messages coming through from Sammy all out there in social media world. Uh, he's talking up a good game. He's loving that the Warriors are sitting second in the comp. Yeah, mate. To quote the uh, the great Ray Warren. The biggest comeback since Lazarus, wasn't it? It was absolutely (laughs) massive from the Warriors at Shark Park yesterday. We are 22 away from nine. When we come back, the hairy jav. Grant Elliott joins us. We're going to talk some cricket here on SENZ.